your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Mills now in the backfield. Two wideouts to the near side. Stole the tight end in motion. Turn. Fake the handoff. Adrian keeps it himself. Coming to the near side. Adrian to the five. Adrian Martinez in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez finds the end zone from 10 yards out. Oh, baby. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Friday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network, the end of a week. Thank God, right? I mean, my goodness. This has been been a tough week on Husker Nation. No game tomorrow for the Big Red. Uh, And then the, the, the constant fight with the league office continues for Nebraska. Uh, so this one needed to come to an end. So kind of glad we hit this week. Now we can get into a holiday weekend with Halloween tomorrow and have some fun with that beautiful weather outside. So it uh, get outside and enjoy it. Maybe do some yard work, rake up some of those leaves, right? Ben, that's the way to get, get after it. It's amazing how long that takes, how long of a process that is, right? I mean, it it takes so long. Like, and the, the entire time that you do it, you're like, there's got to be a more efficient way to do this, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a process, but, man, it looks good while it's done, and it lasts for about six hours until uh, it looks like you didn't do any work with yeah. all the, the new leaves that are recovering your yard. And then the next big windstorm will come through and, you know, boy, blow it all up again for you. So you'll have that. Mm-hmm. Have that cranked up and ready. Well, let's start with the with the uh, what Tim had in the ticker, and that's that the it is now official. The Big Ten ACC Challenge will pit the Huskers against Georgia Tech. Give me your thoughts about facing the Yellow Jackets this time at at PBA. Yeah, I mean, I guess my first thing is I'm excited for a rematch. I'm excited to hopefully you know get them back for last year. It was a good competitive game, but you know Georgia Tech ended up pulling away in that second half. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to play them again, excited to play them in Lincoln. I think that's, uh, that's always good, you know, to get the, the revenge game at home. Not sure what the atmosphere will look like at that time, but, um, you know, excited to play them again. I, I, I do want to see, you know, Nebraska start to progress as a program where we start to see more opponents in the ACC, some different opponents and maybe some better caliber ones, you know, the better that Nebraska gets, but uh, so it is. You got to earn that, and you know the, the Huskers hopefully can can continue to to improve and, and get to a spot where you know they can earn the right to play you know some of those uh, better teams in the ACC. I just want to see the schedule. I think all Husker fans are that way too. Just get this schedule out. Gets getting bits and pieces because we also learned today that the K State game that was supposed to take place in Kansas City, the first of a three year run. A single-game matchup between the two longtime Big A rivals was not going to take place. Kind of had an inkling that was not going to survive. Is we're, we're thinking that you're, the Big Ten's only going to allow their teams between five and seven non-conference games, and that one probably wasn't going to make the cut. Um, I, I'm, I'm still anticipating this tournament hosted by Nebraska to happen, but we don't have any. We don't have any concrete. Um, Plant. We, don't, we don't have a concrete announcement yet that it will, although I think all signs are pointing that it's going to. That would be on November 25th, so we're inside of four weeks of that 
taking place. You want to save the Creighton matchup, obviously. I think they'll figure out a way to get that done. So if you get three or four games in that tournament, and then you play Creighton and you play Georgia Tech, you're you're about done. The rest of it's going to be league games. So uh, the guys are working hard, Ben. They've been at it for a couple of weeks. So the full-time practices have been going on. We really haven't gotten an update from Coach Hoiberg, but um, – They've been working hard, but I'm sure the guys are anxious to see who it is they're going to be playing in these first couple games of the season. It's crazy that we're under four weeks away from the season. They don't have their schedule in front of them. I just I don't understand that. Um, yeah, I've just been following the the Husker Hoops Twitter account to to get updates on on what's been happening with the with the team with the practices. Sounds like things are going well, but you know we'll we'll run it out there and see what this team's looking like. You know, in the first couple of games, uh, new look team, new players again, and excited to see what they have. I think the, the coaching staff's pretty excited about the caliber of players that they have on their team. Yeah. All right. If you want to be a part of the program, 531-500-4686. That's the phone number. If you want to fire off a text, same line, same number for the text. That would be our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Oscars U.S. Cellular Connecting Oscar Nation. The... Out of the uh, college football offices today, the bowl schedule was announced. 37 bowl games set for this at the end of the season. All the games will be televised on ESPN except two that will be on CBS channels. Um, there, as it relates to the Big Ten, a couple of, a couple of the bowl games that have association been with the Big Ten have already announced they're not going to have their game. The Quick Lane Bowl, which is in Detroit, and the Red Box Bowl, which was the Foster Farms Bowl a few years ago that Nebraska played in out in Santa Clara when they beat UCLA in that bowl game. That one has already announced they're not going to have their bowl games. Uh, several of them have uh, other ones that have announced that they're not going to have their game this year because of COVID and the shutdown and all that. The Bahamas Bowl, the Celebration Bowl, the new one at Fenway Park in Boston. <laughs> this seems odd to me. Uh, and the Hawaii Bowl is not going to happen, uh, along with the Holiday Bowl. They've already pulled the plug on theirs now. The Holiday Bowl, this is the first year, Ben, that it is not associated with the Big Ten. They've let the Big Ten reworked their bowls. They added a couple of new ones. They added the Belk Bowl in Charlotte to their roster. They added... Um, the one in – I'm trying to find it on here. The one in Phoenix. Is it the Cheez-It Bowl? That, that's that's the one that has been in Phoenix, the Cheez-It Bowl. Okay. Well, th that one's been added to the Big Ten's roster uh, of bowl games. And I believe the Music City Bowl now has become a permanent Big Ten bowl game. The Big Ten has dropped the Gator. They dropped the holiday. The Huskers played in the Gator a couple of times. Huskers have played in the holiday a bunch. So those two come off the Big Ten's list. Uh, but the full list is out, 37 bowl games. You've got your national semifinal games are going to be on January the 2nd uh, this year with the national championship game on January the 11th. And uh, the bowl games start on the 19th, which obviously can't, it's that's the one in Frisco, Texas, that is the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, if you are keeping <laughs> score at home. Uh, obviously, that can't be a Big Ten Bowl. It's not, but it can't be because the Big Ten's going to be playing that day. That's going to be week nine uh, for the Big Ten. And 
Unless I missed it, Ben, I don't know where those games are yet either. Is that did I miss that announcement by the Big Ten or where those Week Nine games are taking place? Have not seen. <laughs> um, they've they've had their hands full with Nebraska. They haven't had time. Yeah, to, that's true. To, uh, to to start planning ahead with that, and I mean, it, it's just so out of character for this league to not communicate. <laughs> you know, with with what's happening or you know where they're at on on some things. So, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be. Uh, an apology handed down by the league for their, you know, un- unbelievable ability to not pass information down. So, yeah, no, have not heard, have not heard. Nobody knows their basketball schedule in 26 days, and no football teams know where they're going to be playing on December the 19th. Other than that, everything's running really smoothly right now with the Big Ten Conference. They're one of the reasons I brought up this bull thing, though, Ben, is because I know it's been been announced and said that there's no minimum number of wins to qualify for a bowl. So in essence, everybody's eligible. Then it's going to be up to the bowls to pick that. But with the big 10, having a couple of partners already cancel the quick lane and the red box, it's two fewer spots for big 10 teams. So you're, you're probably going to have to have a decent record. You're probably going to have to have four or five wins just to get yourself in contention to get one of the big 10 bowl games this year. Because the spots are drying up, and if a couple of more drop off, and hopefully not, because I think this is a bit of a this was a bit of a deadline. I think for these bowl games to say we're in or we're out, and it looks like those will be the only two Big Ten bowl games that are out. But that reduces it from about a 10, 10 team limit down to eight that are going to get bowl bids out of the Big Ten. So, gonna get gonna need to get some wins. It all goes back to winning. You better get some wins if you want to plan some postseason play. Yeah, and I think. You know, there are probably some people out there wondering, well, why we haven't we, we addressed Paul Feinbaum's comments or, you know, other other situations that have been happening regarding Nebraska. And that that's that's the biggest way to stick it to him is to just start winning Man. on the field. And and I'm tired of having to come on here and say, I, I don't like this person. I don't like what this person had to say. I don't like this person's take on our program when they have no idea what our program's about or you know, our, why we think the way that we do and, um, all that stuff. I just, I'm, I'm tired of it and I don't really care what they have to say. So the biggest way for them to stop affecting Husker fans and, and frustrating the fans and having that kind of negative connotation around a program is to win games. And, and it starts, um, started with Ohio state. That didn't happen. Should have happened this week against Wisconsin. That's not going to be the case. So our next chance to start winning on the field is going to be against Northwestern. And in a year right now, Greg, where who knows the situation with the Badgers moving forward, the Big Ten West is wide open right now. So the Huskers just need to start getting some things together and racking some wins up and, you know, just go take care of business on the field and not worry about what Paul Feinbaum or Pat Forty or Nicole Auerbach have to say about our program because, quite frankly, I don't even care what they have to say. Yep, agreed. Um, I misspoke. As I'm going through my list here of bowl games, it's no longer the Belk Bowl. It's now the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. So there you go. All right, uh, coming up here on the program tonight, Doug Duda 
from the Tri-Cities, the Doug and Daddy Show out in the Kearney Hastings Grand Island area is going to join us here in a couple of minutes. We're going to talk some high school football with Doug. He covers a lot of that out in that part of the state. Playoffs are going on. The round of 16 is underway. There have already some finals around the state with some afternoon kickoffs today. Uh, so we'll get Doug's take on all the classifications around the state as they hit the playoff part of the uh, the season. A lot of you folks may be on your way to a high school field right now to watch some games. And good for you. Great night for these kids to play. Beautiful day. Wonderful night. Get some playoff football in while the weather's still really good. So we'll get a breakdown of that with Doug coming up here in a few minutes. We will have our Choices Treatment Center. Big Ten picks coming your way at the top of hour number two. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network will join us also in the second hour of the show. We'll have our weekend preview at the top of hour number three. We'll have our weekend review and also our winners and losers also headed your way tonight. Greg Sharp back with you Friday night sports only here on the Husker Sports Network. Busy night around the state. High school football playoffs going on. And one guy that has his finger on the pulse of all that joins us now. That is Doug Duda from the Doug and Daddy Show out in the Tri-Cities area. Uh, Doug, great to have you with us here tonight. Uh, before we get into all the high school football, what's what's been the reaction in your area and on your show about what's been a wild week for the Huskers and the Big Ten and playing and not playing and maybe playing a different game and now no game? What's it been like? No, I think everybody just wants to know why the Big Ten has it out for the Huskers. Isn't that the story, <laughs> Greg? Uh, we wanted to play. Uh, and, and this was going to be one of those games that I think Nebraska thought was winnable. We wanted to know what the Huskers looked like. Uh, you know, that 52-17, we kind of talked on the show, the score couldn't have been any worse. There seemed to be a lot of positive out of that, even though the score may not have shown that. Uh, I think just a lot of people wanted to see if the Huskers, uh, you know, how good Ohio State was, if they are one of the two best teams in the country, and if Nebraska could come out and win a quite a few games, even if Wisconsin had Mertz or did not have Mertz. We, I've asked some folks this week on the program, and also I'll ask you, are you surprised by the national reaction to Nebraska through the last couple of months of this whole saga? Well, I thought things had softened earlier this week, and when Urban Meyer kind of came out uh, long after the Ryan Day and all that, but when, when you finally had a couple people stick up for Nebraska, at least say, why are you guys bashing them? And even this week, some of the national pundits were kind of getting on board and, and saying some nice things, and then Paul Feinbaum just blasts Nebraska. I, my thing, Greg, is if Alabama was looking to play Mercer, we know how SEC plays a bunch of patsies every single year. If they were coveted out and wanted to play Mercer this week, why would anybody care? Why would Paul Feinbaum or the SEC care? They'd be right on board with that. Why does anybody care? If Nebraska wants to play Tennessee Chattanooga and all the same – uh, you know, COVID restrictions are met. Why is everybody in such an uproar? I, I think they look at Nebraska so differently from the very beginning. Nebraska didn't want to leave the Big Ten to play football. They just wanted to play football games. And a lot of the national pundits thought Nebraska wants to leave the Big Ten. Nebraska doesn't want to leave the Big Ten. They just wanted to play football. Same story here. Nebraska's not trying to shake up the Big Ten. They just want to play football. Yeah, as I've told people this week, if the charge is you want to play football, Nebraska is guilty, and that's what they're guilty of. It's crazy. All right, let's talk some high school football. You're getting ready to call Carney Gretna tonight, Class A matchup. All these classes are down to the uh, Sweet 16 level. Handicap Class A for me. Is it is it uh, Omaha West sides to lose? Is Bell West a favorite? What do you what do you think? I think this is a class that you cannot very rarely say this. If Bell West and Omaha West side are not playing for the state championship, it will be a monumental upset or something happened COVID related. These two teams 
are by far uh, heads and shoulders with all due respect to the three and four seeds in Millard South and Lincoln Southeast. It is Bellevue West and Omaha West side, and everybody else is just trying to get as many wins as they can before they meet up with those two. Yeah, it, it, it's looked that way throughout the year, but you're right. In the age of COVID, maybe maybe uh, nothing is for certain this year. Let's go to Class B. To me, this thing looks wide open. Hastings out in your area has had a very good year. Uh, you know that, that Scott's going to be uh, a possibility in this deal. What what do you make of Class B? Yeah, as opposed to A, this is much more wide open. I don't know if you go 10 deep, but a lot of people are just going to say Omaha Scott in the finals six of the last seven years. They did stub their toe a little bit, but can they run the table? I'm guessing people in Omaha have to be smiling. Grand Island Northwest, Hastings, those would be the two teams. Anytime the farther west you go, the more the Metro thinks that uh, those might be easier games. A lot of people don't know how big a wild card Hastings is. If they hadn't been upset by Aurora, I think a lot of people would have said they're bound for Memorial Stadium. But, man, when you got a bunch of teams like uh, that are in this Class B, Elkhorn looks pretty good, and Norris, what they've done here down the stretch, you don't have a clear favorite. I think this could be the most fun bracket to watch. No, I, I agree with that. Let's go to C1, and a lot of attention in your area with Kearney Catholic. Um, your thoughts about them and, and handicap C1 for us? Well, Kearney Catholic's been playing their best ball going into the playoffs. That's what everybody wants to do. Uh, they really opened some eyes with their win over Adams Central. Adams Central knocked off Wahoo early in the season, and then a lot of people were surprised when, when Adams Central fell a couple of times here. Uh, St. Paul uh, able to get them in overtime. Uh, and again, C1 looks like it's open, but could it just be Ashland Greenwood and Auburn? I mean, Ashland Greenwood beat Auburn by one point in the season opener. They could beat in the quarters. Pierce has been so good for so long. St. Paul's only loss was to Pierce on opening night. Uh, from from week two or when they came up, St. Paul beat Carney Catholic. Some of the talk that night was, man, we can't wait to get another shot at Pierce. Well, Tommy Robleski just committed to Wyoming from St. Paul. Talked to him on our show this week, and he knows that they got to take it one at a time, but he said we all kind of smiled that uh, we might get a shot at Pierce in the semifinals. But, boy, the top – Five, six seats here look really, really good. Sure do, and, and deviate off the, this a little bit for a second with you. I, I know a lot of the in the Class A schools, they're limiting crowd sizes, only like four family members. I know there's been a big to-do at Grand Island all fall with what they were going to allow or not allow in their stadium. When I see highlights of C1, C2s, and some of those, I don't see much crowd restriction going on. Has that been your experience? Yeah, uh, for the games we covered. And one thing, I mean, uh, they can they can kind of spread you out in the stands. It just probably doesn't look that way, uh, as opposed to some of the stadiums in the in the metro that hold many many more fans. So there's just not as much room. But yeah, and, and Greg, the farther west you go, the better the numbers were until maybe the last couple of weeks, where everybody's starting to get high again. I suppose that has something to do with it. All right, let's go to C two. Fremont Bergen undefeated. You got Ward that's undefeated. What do you make of C2? Well, I just want to say the alma mater, Ord Chanticleers, are going to be there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They made it to the C1 championship uh, two years ago and faced Aurora, who now is, of course, back in B, and they got it handed to them by an incredible Aurora team that night. Uh, Ord has shown over the last couple of years that they can beat teams that most teams haven't beaten in the past, whether you're talking your Wahoo, Wahoo Newmans, your Pierces, your Archbishop Bergen, and Ord had been C1 till this year. Kind of a key game there is they really got waxed by the COVID, but they did get a replacement game and got to play Sutton. 
that was actually the best, I think, replacement game outside of Class A for anybody because they were both ranked in the top five, and and Ord won that game. And I, I wouldn't overlook Sutton either. There's a team that was in the state finals last year. They're always good. They run the football. They're physical. And it'll be interesting uh, to see what they can do against Archbishop Bergen if that's the matchup in the second. But uh, I think you're pretty top-heavy here. Uh, UTAN's really, really good in that four slot. Uh, Wilbur Claytonia has been good here the last few years. And Norfolk Catholic Aquinas, man, how many mm. championships have they played for over the years? That's a first-round matchup. It's not going to be easy for Ord. I think Ord got the tougher side of the draw, uh, just considering that they'd already beaten Sutton. Since I have no dog in the fight, I'll jump on the Chanticleers bandwagon. Is that all right? Is there room? Thanks, buddy. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's room. As many as we can. <laughs> all right, let's go to the eight-mans. Let's start with uh, D1. Anybody grab your attention in D1? Well, in D, and for the folks that don't know, they did it different this year, Greg. Uh, had it always been 32 teams, and then they just went west and east, uh, A, B, and C. Well, B and C had kind of changed that over the last couple of years. This year in D, the 16 farthest west and 16 farthest east were seeded. But then after last week, they threw them all back in and put them in by wild cards. And, uh, of course, a lot of folks in the east uh, look at some of those scores and go, the finals have been blowouts. Uh, maybe the best two teams aren't getting there. This year there's actually some teams in the west, Dundee County, Stratton. Holy moly, are they good. And uh, they're going to take on Lords and Central Catholic. They're playing them, uh, obviously, today. Uh, they beat Arcadia Loop City last year to get into the semis. Dundee County Stratton has got a legit shot, and Burwell has been to the state finals four of the last mm-hmm. five years. And it could be an all-West final for the first time, although Cross County looks pretty good in that two slot as well. All right, how about D2? D2, uh, man, you, you always have some of the perennials like a Fall City Sacred Heart, and uh, they are the number one seed, and they move on again today, and I don't see – uh, anybody that's going to beat them next week, Osceola uh, and Humphrey St. Francis, what a game tonight. Osceola, part of that High Plains co-op that won it all last year. Sandhill Stedford, really, really good. The thing about those Western teams, Greg, is they run the football. They can throw it a little bit, but if somebody can stop them on the run, like maybe the Mullins over the past 20 years, but I think Sandhill Stedford and Fall City Sacred Heart is going to be one semifinal. That's going to be amazing for you. BDS is always good, and they look to have the path because they've already beaten Kennesaw, who played Allen today, and the Central Valley was undefeated, got banged up in the playoffs last year, kind of took an earlier exit than maybe they should have. But I think BDS against the Fall City Sacred Heart Sandhill Stedford winner. Uh, should be fun. I know it's a great time of year. Playoff action's great. It's different this year in the era of COVID. You don't have the OPS schools competing in football this fall. That that leads a bit of a void in Class A, but still, it's got a great school spirit. We appreciate you coming on and breaking some of this down for us tonight. Greg, no problem. And I want to say one thing before we close it out. Don't forget our six-man friends. Have you ever been to a six-man game? No, I've been to several eights, but not six. Give me quick. Who do you like in the six? It's hands down. This is the easiest class to pick. McCool Junction, not even close. 44 points, their closest game during the year. But it's fun if you just go watch one sometime during a regular season if you ever get a chance. I'd love to. Doug, we appreciate it. Travel safe to Gretna. Thanks, bud. Always have great talking to you, Greg. Hopefully we got some football for the Huskers here the next few weeks. Nothing better than Friday night sports alley during football season, right? A lot of fun stuff. We're going to have a bunch of that this hour. We're going to go through our Big Ten picks for the week. We'll sprinkle in a couple of top 25 ones as well. 
And Ian Rappaport will be here to get you set up for this weekend in the National Football League. Good win for Atlanta last night. Going on the road, taking control. They did not check one of your buy-sell boxes, though, Ben, with that victory last night. Uh, Unfortunately, no. Thought maybe it was possible with Carolina driving down eight, but didn't happen. Didn't happen. They just just, uh, decided to finish a game, which was great for them. Yeah. They needed that. They needed something good to happen. Uh, All right. Let's uh, let's do it. Our Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. Tim, um, how bad was it last week? What, what's the damage for the crew? Well, uh, it was better for some, uh, worse worse for others uh, who shall remain nameless. Well, no, 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 no we'll go through. We'll go through. Uh, most of us got tripped up on the Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa trifecta there, uh, save for Ben, who did predict the Hoosiers upsetting number eight Penn State. Well, good for um, him. Yeah, good good for him, but we all did get tripped up on that. And then the other thing that tripped at least Greg and I up was picking Iowa State over Okie State. Pistols were firing that day. Dang the Cyclones it. went down. Good game, though. So, good game, good game. Yeah. But, uh, but, but in the end, Oklahoma State prevailed. So, uh, ben led the pack at 7 of 9 for the week. It was uh, Josh at 6 of 9, and the rest of us humbly went 5 of 9, including Austin. Actually, I should point out, Austin was the only one who had Minnesota skew ma over Michigan, and that uh, looking Ouch, worse by burn. the second. So, as burn. Maryland punches in right now in the end zone, hey, hey, they're up uh, 20 to 6 now. Or seven. <laughs> this is so fun to watch. I mean, Minnesota's defense looks so terrible. 76-yard right touchdown reception for those not wow. watching. Insane. It could be a huge weekend for the Tug of Iloa brothers. Woo. You know what I mean? Man. Yeah. But now that brings us to the next big already. And we already we are, of course, very intellectually honest and principled on this show. We all picked Minnesota before this game started. We did. Uh, and right now we're we're looking like fools, uh, given that Maryland's up twenty to seven. But do uh, you have do you have season totals? Oh, I do. I, yeah, I, I jumped the gun here. Uh, yes, at season total leading the way still, uh, the king of the castle, Josh, at 61 of 79. Uh, and then in second place, Greg and I tied at 58 of 79. Or rather, uh, Ben is in second place. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, 59 I'm, 79. I'm down the ladder here. Greg and I <laughs> trailing at 58 79. And then Austin uh, leading the rear. Uh, taking up the rear, I should say, 57 of 79. So okay. uh, we're all pretty close. We're bunched together, but definitely off the pace a little bit. All right, let's get into this week's games. We we did all pick Minnesota, correct? Everybody on the on the on the yes. board. Well, I, I told you I, I got a thirty minute buffer no, to decide no, who I want to who no. I want to pick. So um, Skyuma rode a boat. You're in. All right, Ben. We'll start. Orders. We'll start with you. Eleven o'clock kicks tomorrow. Purdue at Illinois. Interesting guys. The the reports coming out last night of a bunch of positives for Illinois and then nothing today. Yeah. Did I did I miss it? Has anybody said anything about it? I've seen nothing. Nothing. I have not heard anything about it. So I'm guessing it's a go. Ben, what do you think of Purdue, Illinois? Yeah, I mean, I think this game has more intrigue to me now than uh, than what it did maybe before last week because of the way that Purdue played against Iowa without Rondale Moore, which doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon. Um. Yeah, that being said, I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Illinois' offense after watching them against Wisconsin. I, I just don't know how much ammo they have outside of Josh Matter or Bebe. So I'm going to choose Boiler Up. And by mm-hmm. the way, the, the Boilers are, Tim, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I should throw that out there as well. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with actually the Illini. Um, I have no good reason to do this, but because I was so high on Love You Smith squad, and I'm just going to say that Wisconsin game was a fluke, uh, they really gave me no reason to pick them. But uh, I'm a gambler. I got to make up some ground, and this is one of the gambles I'm making this week. Give me the fight in Loveys. Okay. Austin. I am not as bold as Tim. I will side with Ben and take Purdue. I trust that offense so much more. I don't love the Purdue defense, but after seeing what Wisconsin did, even with Purdue's lack of a run game, Wisconsin didn't run the ball well last week. I think Purdue has the weapons through the air to maybe if not a 45-7 to win, it'll, it'll still be some points on the board for the Boilers. Yeah, I'm going Boilers too. I, I was tempted, Tim. I really was. I think this will be a really close game. Illinois for some reason, seems to play always play really, really well against the Boilers, but I just trust Purdue a little bit more, so I'll stay with Purdue. All right, Tim, to you next. Michigan State at Michigan. Michigan State, with all those turnovers last week, the uh, Wolverines look good in their opener, pounding Minnesota. Maybe maybe that isn't a big win now that we're looking at this thing tonight. 21-point favorite for the Wolverines. How do you see this one? Yeah, I... You know, whenever you lose to Rutgers, uh, despite the fact that they are led by uh, Greg Schiano, who is notably not Chris Ash, uh, I think that raises some questions, <laughs> some legitimate questions about the quality of your football team. And uh, I really have no reason to pick Michigan State in this one. Give me the Wolverines. Give me the khakis. Uh, I think that Michigan will win and win this one big. Awesome. Yeah, I was really impressed with Joe Milton last week. Now, maybe Minnesota's defense, you know, wasn't the greatest litmus test as we're seeing tonight with what Maryland's doing. But I still think Michigan has more than enough to get it done. So Big Brother takes this one. I think it might be closer than 21, but Michigan wins. Ben? I'm taking Big Brother as well. I like Austin. I I thought Milton was serviceable for what Michigan was trying to do. They've got a, a bunch of backs that they like to use. I think they rotated four guys at tailback. Uh, Quiddy Pay just took over in that fourth quarter. Minnesota just could not block him at all. Again, I'm expecting possibly a, a stiffer test defensively, and if Michigan State turns the ball over even half as much as they did last week, that's too many. So I'm going to take the Wolverines. Okay. Austin, to you next. Northwestern at Iowa. This is a 2.30 game on ESPN. It is only a two-and-a-half-point spread. The Hawkeyes, the home team, are the favorites. 0-1, Iowa, 1-0, Northwestern. How do you see it? Man, Northwestern, what a show on offense. Not, not accustomed to that at all out of the Cats last week. I think that's a good sign for them, but I think this game being in Iowa City goes Iowa's way. I think that two-and-a-half-point line is about right, so I'll, I'll take the Hawkeyes in a close one. Okay. Ah, that's a good pick, but not a great one. The great one is Northwestern. The Cats go in there and win this. Their defense is so stout, and now they have a trigger guy in Peyton Ramsey to run that offense. New offensive coordinator. They're going to be much more difficult. I think it's a field goal the other way. Give me the Cats to go to 2-0 with a win at uh, Kinnick Stadium tomorrow. Ben? I'm with you. I'm taking Northwestern. Again, this could be a false sense of security based on what we saw last week, but... Uh, I didn't love what I saw from Iowa uh, last week, and I think I think the body language is what bothered me most with a couple of their offensive players. So I'm going to choose Northwestern in this one, um, and hopefully they come into Lincoln with a bunch of false – or we go to – I guess where the game's in Evanston. We go to Ryan Field with a lot of false confidence with the purple and the white. So I'll, t- I'll say Northwestern wins. 
Yeah, I should pick Northwestern. Uh, you know, given how they performed against Maryland last week, I, I kind of wrote that off as, oh, that's just the Terrapins. But uh, given what they're doing tonight, I probably should rethink that. But I'm going with what I originally had down, and that is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, it's just because of all the love and respect I have for Kirk Ferentz. Uh, me and me and Pat Forty, my best bud, both view him in high esteem. Yeah. Um, you know, he's earned it, unlike Scott Frost, as Pat Forty would say. And, you know, I trust I trust the 40 on all matters of Big Ten football. Very wise. I love it when we're two and two. That's pretty cool on that game. And that's the kind of game you're going to go probably split decision. All right, also at 2.30 on BTN. Actually, it's on FS1 now. They've moved it over to FS1. Indiana Rutgers playing. Uh, and the Hoosiers coming off the big win over Penn State. Rutgers coming off a nice road win themselves over Sparty. Indiana's just a solid team. Again, we, we had them in our preseason top 25. For that alone, they get, they get a road win at Rutgers and get the 2-0. and Yeah, I, I, I said last week, and I, I've, got, I've got the scoreboard to prove it. I, I'm kind of all in on the Hoosiers right now. Until they let me down, I'm going to keep riding them. And I think they improved to 2-0. I don't think they're going to turn the ball over seven times and help Noah Vedrill that much. I think they're going to have to earn a lot more. I was very impressed with the way Indiana's defense held up against a good Penn State offense. So, uh, yeah, give me, uh, give me the Hoosiers to go 2-0. Yeah, I'm also going to go with uh, Indiana in this one as well. Um, although I know uh, everyone sold my buy sell question that was meticulously crafted, uh, I, I think Rutgers will cover this one, and I think Noah Vetrell is going to have himself a day. But uh, Indiana, in the end, will pull out the dub. I've got Indiana as well. Rutgers still gave up 27 points to Michigan State, even with those turnovers. If they allow three touchdown passes from Rocky Lombardi and whatever Michigan State has as receiver, I think Michael Penix, uh, Wap Fillier, and others can can do damage against Rutgers as well. So I'll take Indiana. All right. Ben, primetime. Ohio State at Beaver Stadium against Penn State. Olave is going to play. That was one thing that was in doubt. He is traveling, should play for the Buckeyes. They are a 10-point favorite over Penn State. Who you got? My answer on this would be a lot more difficult if this was a whiteout with 100,000 at Beaver Stadium on Mount Nittany. But unfortunately, that's not the case because the Big Ten's saying no fans. Uh, I don't think I, – I, let me say this. I, I'm a little surprised at, at Nebraska's ease to move the ball against Ohio State last week, and that, that worries me a little bit for this game for them. But – if it comes down to which quarterback or which offense I trust more to make a play late, uh, it's got to be the Buckeyes. So give me Ryan Day, give me Justin Fields, give me Olave, give me Sermon, give me all of them. I'm taking, I'm taking Ohio State. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as Ben said, uh, he was skeptical that Ohio State would be able to pull it out in Happy Valley. But uh, if they play this game on the moon, I think the Buckeyes would find a way to win. Uh, they're just that good. Uh, sorry, Nittany Lions, Ohio State, they're too good. Micah Parsons had 10 tackles last year, including a couple for loss for Penn State. He's gone. I think that's a big deal. Having Olave there for Ohio State is a big deal. I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than we've seen the last couple years, 28-17 and 27-26. to But I think Ohio State wins this one, probably both teams in the mid to upper 30s. I think the biggest factor in this game, no fans. If there were fans and that place was going crazy, it would be really difficult on the Buckeyes. That's not the case. Ohio State wins. And uh, locks up the East. Well, not quite, but close. All right, let's pick off a couple of top 25 games. Let's go to the AAC, boys. 
Uh, this one will go to Tim. Memphis at Cincinnati. The Bearcats were impressive last week. They're up to number seven in the country, but only a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the Memphis Tigers, who were three and one of the year. How do you see this one? Yeah, I, I think that – I like that line. It's going to be close. Um, so I, I am going to edge with the side with the Bearcats, but – um, just by a hair. I, I don't expect it to be a blowout by any means. So give me Cincinnati, but but very, very close. Well, I didn't pick Memphis last night, so I can't go and reverse tack and pick them tonight. So I will, I will take the Bearcats as well, especially seeing as this one is in Cincinnati. Me too. I, I'm a little surprised the line's that close, to be honest with you. I think this is a double-digit win for the Bearcats. I, I am really sold on what Luke Fickle is doing. And I see them beating the Tigers and going to 5-0 and and hanging on to at least that number seven national ranking. I like Memphis's offense a lot. They just hung half a hundred on uh, UCF a couple of weeks ago. But Cincinnati's defense is so much better than th- what they have in Orlando. Uh, their offense probably isn't as explosive as Dylan Gabriel, but you know we've seen what Cincinnati's offense, particularly the quarterback run game, can employ. Uh, so I like Cincinnati, and I, I'm with Greg. I don't know that it's – I think I think they cover and cover pretty easily. Okay. We're going to the Big 12 for a couple of games. Austin coming to you, 16th-ranked K-State, 4-0 in the Big 12, in first place right now in the league, on the road at West Virginia, who's 3-2. and two. The Mountaineers are favored in this one by five. What do you think of this one? West Virginia by five surprises me. I th- I've been pretty impressed with what Kansas State has done since their opening week loss. I know they're down at quarterback Skylar Thompson. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't love what West Virginia has. I'm pretty impressed with Kansas State, but I think I'm gonna, gonna call my shot here, and I will take the Mountaineers in this one. I think they pull it off. Yeah, at some point in time, not having your starting quarterback is gonna slip up and bite you and I just think that in case states had a bit of a tragedy one of the young men on their team took his life earlier in the week I think they're going to be dealing with that I think that's going to trip them up on the road what is it uh old country roads what's what's uh what's what's the saying okay. John well that's that was a Jeff Colhane sign off on big Mountaineer wins when he was calling baseball and women's basketball there so give me the country roads I'll take West Virginia Q country roads Q Country Roads, that's what he did, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's horrible, the circumstances that Kansas State's going through. Uh, Husker fans know what that's like to lose a member of their of their football team, of their community, and um, it's just it's heartbreaking. It's sad, and there are so many people that are dealing with, with that, with this, with this quarantine period, with the, dealing with the virus, and obviously sending well wishes down to Manhattan, but... Um, I think West Virginia is wildly inconsistent, and I think if Coach Kleiman has, has proven anything, he has a chance to uh, out-coach anybody, especially when, when the back's against the wall. So I'll say K-State comes out inspired, and once that thing starts, they're, they're, playing, they're, they're playing for their fallen teammates. So I'm going to say K-State and an emotional win. Yeah, uh, similar logic for me as well. I've been really impressed with Chris Kleiman, uh, what they've been doing, and obviously they're going through quite a bit of adversity, to say the least, at the moment, uh, which is which is obviously tough to go through. But, um, no, give me the Wildcats. I, I think, as Ben said, the Mountaineers, frankly, are just are not consistent enough for me. Uh, I, I don't love their defense, and K-State are just – they're the exact opposite. They're solid. They're consistent week to week. And even given everything they're dealing with this week, I think they still have a chance to, to get the dub. All right, one last game for us to pick. It's also in the Big 12. 
The burnt orange, the Texas Longhorns, travel to Stillwater to take on the sixth-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Despite that, OSU just a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I liked what I saw from Texas last week. They beat Baylor, looked good. I kind of feel like the pressure's off because now they're not playing for nearly as much as they were a month ago. They have those two losses. I think Oklahoma State tightens up a little bit in this one. Give me the hook'em horns to pull off a road upset tomorrow in Stillwater. Hmm. That's yeah, a, I'm, Tex- I'm Texas fight as well. I, I think Oklahoma State's dealing with a lot of pressure right now. Uh, sixth in the nation. You know, maybe start looking ahead a little bit. How high can we rise in these polls? And Texas always seems to come through and, and play good football or, or in any sport for that matter when another team has those types of aspirations and, and they're not having their best season. So, um, yeah, I like Texas. I like uh, their offense has been, as you said, generating a little bit more efficiently. And and I'm out, I'm kind of I'm kind of on team Hook'em on this one. I, I think the pistols are, are running out of bullets. Uh, I think the pistols are fully firing. Also, I I have checked <laughs> my uh, Texas's back meter, and it's firmly in the no category. So judging by that scientific analysis, uh, go pokes uh, and all that. Oklahoma State wins this one. Texas dominated last week until really the fourth quarter. Baylor got those couple of late touchdowns to make it just that two-possession game. But I got to side with Oklahoma State in this one. I think they're they're playing a little bit better. I know Iowa State put a scare in them last week, but I trust Oklahoma State a little bit more pressure and all, and I can't pick against my boy Landon. He's a big big, uh, big Cowboys fan, so I will, I will attempt to fire the pistol until the bullets are fully exhausted. Good. I love it when we split decision these games. That's great. Good stuff. Sports Nightly, Friday night, about halfway through our program. Thanks to everybody for spending part of your evening here with us on the program. Ben McLaughlin back with you. Tim Curran, Austin Norman producing for us back in our Husker Sports Network studios. Time to change gears and talk some National Football League with our good friend Ian Rappaport the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, uh, first of all, let's just start with last night's game between uh, between the Falcons and uh, and the Panthers. Uh, haven't talked about either of these franchises too much, but I mean, Atlanta, big joke. They couldn't hold on to a fourth quarter lead, but hey, they were able to do it. They were actually able to hang on. Is this is this something to start to turn around there for Atlanta with their ability to hang on to that lead last night and get a W? Well, I mean. Let's also mention that Todd Gurley with about three minutes left, got the ball in third and 14 and decided to run out of bounds. Uh, Not the greatest idea in the history of the world for uh, Todd Gurley, but, you know, one of those things where I think it's, I think it's just how they learn. Now, I mean, I will also say like, it was a nice, a nice win for them. And, you know, they're two and one with Raheem Morris as, the interim, I have no idea what's going to happen toward the end of the season, but it really does make you think that he's got a legitimate shot at the job. I mean, he is he is a former head coach. He is someone who is respected. The players like him. He has learned from the mistakes he made as a previous head coach. It's pretty interesting, and I don't necessarily know that it would be the craziest thing if they hired him as their, as their full-time. So, um, obviously something to keep an eye on, but, you know, for Atlanta in what is a big-time loss season, that was a pretty nice thing last night. 
Yeah, and, and it's hard to say that one win um, and the way that it happened is just going to you know propel them to to win the rest of their games. Matt Ryan sure seems to think that you know this is a good thing for the locker room, uh, but it wasn't all positives for Atlanta last night. Uh, dealing with uh, a, a, an injury with Calvin Ridley in the first half. I know you typically talk injuries at the end, but what's what's the latest on him after you know injuring that that ankle that foot yesterday? Well, it doesn't seem like it was, um, you know, it doesn't seem like it was a major injury. I mean, it, it seems more like a midfoot injury, maybe a midfoot sprain. Still waiting on full final details, but I know the x-rays were negative, so that is a very good thing. Didn't break any bones there. And, um, you know, he, he's he got the mini bye week, so as much time as you could possibly have, he's got. Uh, so I think that's good. The other thing last night showed us was, man, Julio Jones is good. Mm. Still good. Still awesome, you know, 130 yards or, or whatever, 140, whatever it was, a lot of it with, without Ridley. So I think whatever happens to Stephen, uh, for, to Calvin Ridley, um, knowing Julio Jones is back to full strength and he will be even stronger after this mini-buy certainly bodes well um, for the Falcons' prospects. Absolutely. Big, big effort last night from Julio. Let's go to the other sideline. And we haven't really talked much about the Panthers this year. Interesting hire bringing in Matt Rule from Baylor. Uh, they bring in Robbie Anderson. I don't know anybody expected him to be as where he ranks in the top five in the NFL with receiving yards. But he and, and DJ Moore have turned into a really good tandem. And, and they've, they've somehow weathered the storm with Mike Davis, with Christian McCaffrey being injured. What's what's your perspective on Carolina and the season that they've had to endure with Matt Rule? Yeah, I'm, you know, I've been trying to think about this because on one hand, they jumped out to a pretty good start, and everyone's like, ah, oh, Matt Rule's doing it. It looks good. It looks good. They probably played over their heads a little bit, you know, and I think Teddy Bridgewater played over his head a little bit too. Last night was a little more up and down, and obviously he got injured and came back, but last night was a little more up and down, and it really does make me wonder, are they a team that's going to kind of struggle a lot down the stretch just because they don't have a lot of depth and they're still trying to turn it over? Um, are they a possibility for, you know, a, a top pick, a top five pick? You know, Bridgewater is probably not the future answer there at quarterback, um, but I think he'd be a pretty good placeholder, so are they a team that, you know, if they do draft in the top 10, takes a quarterback of the future as Bridgewater in as the placeholder and then kind of moves on from there. Um, you know, I think that's that's definitely kind of where we're at with them is just seeing are they going to steady this thing or fall all the way. And if they do fall, um, you know, if they do fall, then they probably end up with the top pick. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com is our guest here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Ian, I don't want to keep bringing up the coronavirus and positive tests and how it applies to each team every week. So let's just kind of broaden it up. You guys on NFL.com right now have a good article and story up of, of the protocols that are in place of just how it happens and, and what to do when it happens. Do you feel like the league has gotten a pretty good hand, handle on, okay, we have a positive test. This is how we're going to handle it to prevent spreading and, and just keep soldiering on even without the players that, that are unavailable. I, what, what I like that the NFL does is everything is extremely cautionary. You know, like there have been positive tests. There are going to be positive tests. But what you want to avoid is you want to avoid the Titans situation, right? So um, let's say like earlier on Friday you had a Minnesota player and you had a Broncos player test positive. 
where when you look on the tracking bracelet that all players are wearing, you see who's been within six feet of them for a prolonged period of time, and those players are not allowed in the building until they test negative. So it was a couple players. For the, the Giants, it happened on um, on Thursday, and it was like the entire offensive line, you know. Um, but that's a good way to do it. You get the guys out of the building, you make them test, and only when they test negative can they come in. That is, I think, the way um, – that you end up limiting the spread, and that's something that certainly has worked out for NFL teams. Yeah, and it's great to see them just be able to plow through it and, and continue to play, especially, as you said, with the Titans scare and, and all of that. Um, one, one other franchise that we haven't really talked a ton about, we haven't had a reason to until now, is the Miami Dolphins. They're going with the rookie, Tua Tungavailoa, making his first start against the Chargers this weekend. Sounds like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, took the news pretty hard, as I think anybody would. But what's the situation in Miami? Do you think that led to this move right now? Was it as simple as the bye week? I mean, they were winning some games, handful of good performances, including one against San Francisco. I guess the big question is why now for Miami? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, they are a, a pretty decent team now. And so what you'd like to do is turn it over to a rookie quarterback and say, all right, we got a good defense. We can kind of run the ball. Things are steadied, and let's just you, – you just do a little bit of what you do and we'll be okay. You know, you don't, you don't want them to be in a situation where it's like Joe Burrow where you're like the whole team. So I think they built up the infrastructure around him to, to where it's not going to be that hard. I think that is um, – I think that's one interesting thing. The other thing is, you know, they always plan to play in between weeks four and eight. It was just a matter of what's the best timing. They had the bye last week, so he got in, he used the bye, he studied up. You know, there also wasn't the kind of craziness that comes with any quarterback move, so it, it was a little bit muted, I think, um, because we all sort of got used to it. So, you know, that's how it kind of happened, and I, I think in the end um, it's going to end up being a really good move for the Dolphins, a great, a great place to start on what is their future. Yeah, big game this weekend against the 5-2 and two Rams, at home at least, in Miami. Ian, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Dolphins. Let's stay in the division. Something we haven't really had to discuss much with you over the years is a struggling Patriots team. What's the concern level right now for Bill Belichick? And Cam Newton doesn't really seem like he's playing with a lot of confidence based on his comments following yeah. the game and what happened last week. Where, where do you assess the situation in New England, especially this week going up against a Buffalo team that they've had their number, but – Tide seems to be turning a little bit on that. Yeah, I think the main issue with Cam Newton is just where is he physically? Now, I mean, he obviously he missed a bunch of receivers, certainly missed a bunch of open receivers, even some early reads. I think that was, you know, a concern last week and, and kind of causes you to scratch your head. But I hate to say this, the reality is the last time we saw him as a full-time starter, down the stretch, he kind of just wilted. He just didn't have it physically. So – is that going to be the case for the Patriots? Like, is that, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to have to go away from Cam? You know, I think they hope not, but they just need to play better. He needs to play better. I do not get the sense that the Patriots are selling. I do not get the sense that the Patriots are giving up on the season. That is not like them. I do think that they want to fix it and believe they can fix it. Um, it's just it's uncharted territory for them. So obviously we are all keeping our eyeballs on the Patriots. 
Yeah, it's not something we're used to seeing them sitting at two and four, taking on five and two Buffalo this Sunday. Let's go out west, Ian. I mean, we've talked about Russell Wilson for years, but just how high of a level is this guy playing right now? I mean, I know they lost a tight one to to Carolina, or excuse me, to the Cardinals in Arizona last week. But to see the work that he's doing with Tyler Lockett again, uh, kind of a rotating door at running back. Uh, we've seen them, the defense kind of change hands. What 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 do you interpret? Russell Wilson and how far he can take this, the Seahawks and, again, a tough matchup this week with San Francisco. I mean, to me, he's playing like an MVP. And what's interesting about San Francisco is, um, you know, they lost so many guys early. They lost Bosa. They lost Solomon Thomas. They lost Richard Sherman. They lost so many. And, you know, it's like their defense still looks great. And I think it's going to be a real test for us. You know, how much can he protect himself how much can he kind of run around? How much can he extend plays? But they have been, after years and years and years of just hanging the ball off and playing ball control, they're finally letting him cook. Um, and that is, I think, something It's good for him. They've become a better team. But, man, it is good for us because it is fun to watch. And I, I yeah. certainly am here for this. Um, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I hope it happens all the time. Um, and watching him go from, like, game manager – um, you know, to this kind of explosive MVP candidate has really been an incredible transformation. Yeah, it should be a fun one. They, they've got the afternoon game with San Francisco back home at Seattle trying to respond from the loss to Kyler Murray there is on an overtime on Sunday night. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, before we let you go here real quick, Joe Mixon, I know it sounds like he's trending down. Anybody else that we should keep an eye on for Sunday? Yeah, I think uh, Mixon is out for Sunday. Uh, Aaron Jones did not, the Packers star running back, did not practice Friday. That is never a good sign. Um, I think those are a couple. Michael Thomas, the Saints receiver, um, you know, assuming he practices today, we'll see if he's able to go Sunday, but I think that's, you know, he's probably headed in the right direction. And then Stephon Gilmore had an MRI on his knee yesterday after hurting it in practice. Didn't sound like a major injury, but obviously his status for Sunday very much in question as well. Yeah, huge part uh, to the defense there in New England as well. Ian, we always appreciate it, man. Have a great Halloween. Hopefully the, the kids uh, get some candy and can enjoy that while watching football this weekend. Thanks a lot, man. All right, good stuff. Good talking to you as always. And we're back. Hour number three of our Friday night show. It's our final hour of the night. And boy, yeah, whew. Kind of glad. Final hour of the week. It's been a draining week around Husker Nation with all the zigs and that zags and the ups and downs of what was going to happen and unfortunately no Husker football tomorrow. Here's what we have for your final hour. Ben will have our weekend preview. Set up all the action you're not going to want to miss on Saturday and Sunday. Pretty good uh, weekend maybe just to couch it a little bit. Although the weather is going to be pretty good. You may want to be outside a little bit for some of this uh, weekend. We will also have our weekend review and our winners and losers of the week. All that coming up here this hour. Right now, let's get it going with the preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. Yeah, as we jump into this week, you know, we, uh, I don't know, I don't know about 
everybody else. It seemed like we took a little bit for granted all the stuff that we had on here with NBA, NHL, and, and MLB. Well, those are all taken off. So Go really on. until hoops gets started back up, we're 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 on the gridiron, and that's that's pretty much it. We'll sprinkle in some other stuff as it comes and goes, but um, we got we're heavy football, which is never a bad thing. Unfortunately, we won't bar- be participating this weekend. Well, Brett would say you hap- could. Brett would say you could add some soccer in there, like yeah. you know, some Premier League or I don't even know what English League or. <laughs> I, I don't know that that's going to make the cut until until we start getting. Uh, requests for it we'll, we'll okay. leave it off the table yeah. but if it That's you know fair. if it is something that that you're passionate about and you'd like us to talk about send tim a tweet and then uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll pass it along to us uh okay let's start with the big 10 football we gave our picks in the last hour uh big brother little brother in ann arbor michigan over a three touchdown favorite against sparty who is just going to try and not turn the the football over seven times in this one. I suppose that's a good place to start. It's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, think about that. That's really hard. has to be hard. What's the record? I mean, that's got to be close, right? That's ridiculous how many times they put it on the deck. Yeah, and Rutgers is able to win. But, yeah, they're not a good start for Mel Tucker. As uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, And it's not going to get any easier for Michigan, who looked really good against Minnesota, who's playing right now um, uh, in week number one. So 13th ranked Michigan. This is this is one that Harbaugh's got to win, right? I mean, this isn't yeah. even this isn't even a, a conversation, or it shouldn't he, be. He's kind of flipped the script in this game, right? I mean, the first couple of years he was in Ann Arbor, he couldn't beat Little Brother, and now he's he's kind of flipped it. Mark D'Antonio's packed his bags and is gone. He's kind of flipped flipped it uh, again. I, as I said last hour, don't anticipate much of a problem for them. No. All right. Also at 11 o'clock, this one on the Big Ten Network. You've got Purdue. Fresh off a nice win over the Iowa Hawkeyes on the road in Champaign, taking on the fighting Illini of Illinois. And it sounds like, Greg, that Illinois is starting to come out with some positive tests. So this tells me that there were some Badgers that were playing with positive tests a week ago tonight. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And dare say Purdue being 2-0 and maybe in the league is their favorite to win this game. And, you know, I – we weren't real high on the on the Boilermakers when we went through our position breakdowns. I think for a lot of us, they were right at the bottom uh, of the the division. Now Illinois put it on them a year ago. I wouldn't just dismiss Illinois from winning this one in this game, but yeah, Purdue's got a chance to get out to a two and zero start in the league. And as as short as the season as it's going to be, that would look huge. Purdue seven and a half point favorite over Illinois tomorrow at eleven. Uh, okay, at two thirty, you've got a couple of teams that are riding high into week number two. Seventeenth ranked Indiana. How about that number seventeen in the country on the road in Piscataway taking on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Normally, Greg, in a typical year, we're laughing at this matchup. Not the case here in twenty twenty. And what what a perfect year to have this be a, an intriguing matchup in twenty twenty with the Indiana Hoosiers and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights football programs. Isn't it crazy? Tim and I think we're talking about this the other day. Remember, remember, clear back into July when we were doing our preseason top 25, we had the Hoosiers ranked. And there are probably a lot of people going, come on, really? I'm telling you, he's done a heck of a job of that program. And they're they're believing. They're fighting for it. They are. So 230 BTN in Piscataway uh, where you can find Noah Vedral taking on Michael Penix Jr. and the Hoosiers. Also at 2.30, this one should peak Husker fans. This one on ESPN Northwestern mm-hmm. at Iowa. Cats 1-0, Hawks 0-1. Iowa a very slight favorite, Greg, under a field goal in this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be locked into that one because we play both those teams here in the next four weeks. So 
Uh, this is a big to me. This is a big, big game for Iowa because you lose your opener at Purdue. You're back home, just like the reverse of what I said about Purdue getting off to a two and zero start, getting into an O two hole. It's hard to dig out of that. So big, big game pressure on, in my eyes at least, on Kirk Ferentz and those Hawkeyes to win this one tomorrow. Then at six thirty on ABC College Game Day in State College, eighteenth ranked Penn State, number three Ohio State. On Monday, James Franklin tweeted, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, like 50 times. I think his attention was on the Buckeyes. Ohio State, an 11-point favorite in this one. How do you see it going? I think I think Penn State will battle pretty hard in this game. Um, we'll see. I, I, I've got mixed feelings on Ohio State. I, I think they're really talented offensively. I think they can be – I think you can move the ball on them defensively. The Huskers sure did a week ago. Penn State will be fired up for this one. I'm sure you know they had to be looking ahead a little bit last week when they played Indiana. This will be close, but I like the Buckeyes in the end. Yeah, I just think Ohio State's just too hard to stop. Mm-hmm. So there's your look at uh, Big Ten football with one game missing. Uh, okay, moving on to top 25. Boston College, number one Clemson. Normally this isn't a, a game that we spend a lot of time on, but with the news in Clemson, in the state of South Carolina, with Trevor Lawrence testing positive for the coronavirus, he is not playing. Clemson's still uh, almost a, a four-touchdown favorite in this one, 24.5 points. I think we're going to see a lot of Travis Etienne tomorrow morning. I do, too. Uh, BC will battle them, though. Uh, that that line I would scare me a little bit. I, I mean, we'll see. I, I, think, I think BC battles because also Clemson might be looking to next week as well. they got Notre Dame coming in next week. Are going to Notre Dame, I guess, is where they're headed. Yeah, South Bend. Uh, also at 11 on the SEC Network, you have fifth-ranked Georgia at Kentucky. On ESPN at 11 is Memphis and number seven Cincinnati, a game in which we gave our picks wow. uh, last hour. And How then, about Cincinnati uh, being ranked seventh in the country? That's crazy. How about that? Or no. Yeah. And keep in mind, that's a team that should have been on Nebraska's schedule yep. had everything been normal. So. We will uh, definitely be keeping an eye on the Bearcats. How long does he stay there, do you think? Mm, I don't know. It seems like he's got a good little spot, but mm-hmm. I'm sure if the right job – he's he's an Ohio guy, but I'm sure if the, the right job came calling, he would answer, don't you? Um, but what is it? I mean, a lot, a lot of people thought he was a shoe-in to be Michigan State's coach. He didn't take that job. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. He's not – Ryan Day is going nowhere, so no. if he wants to go back to Ohio State, that's a pipe dream. I mean, I, I don't Notre know Dame, what it maybe. is. Ooh. Maybe he's waiting for the Irish job to come over. Could be. Could be. Um, and then a couple of other games at 11 uh, on the ESPN family of networks in the Big 12. Kansas State, 4-1 and one at West Virginia, 3-2. and two. Uh, At 11 on ESPNU, 20th ranked Coastal Carolina, 5-0. and Wow. Oh, taking on Georgia State. What a story, huh? Three-and-a-half-point favorite. What a story. Yeah. That's crazy. And then one final 11 a.m. kick in the Big 12, one you can probably skip over, Iowa State at Kansas on FS1. How many many viewers (laughs) does that thing draw? Uh, Depends how many people and names want to turn the TV (laughs) on. Uh, Okay, move to the 230 games. Notre Dame, they've got Georgia Tech on the road in Atlanta. ABC, where you can find that one, Notre Dame's. Last game before they tune up and play Clemson. At 3 o'clock, you've got Texas and sixth-ranked Oklahoma State on Big Fox. Longhorns at 3-2. and two. Pokes at 4-0 and, oh, and number six in the country. Crazy. 
pretty good matchup. Those two have had some really nice battles in, uh, in recent years. And if you're the Cowboys and you're thinking about winning a conference title, this is one you need to put in the win column. Texas, I thought, looked better last week, Ben, when they beat Baylor. So maybe they've kind of figured things out. Maybe the pressure's off because they've lost some games and now expectations are totally gone. That happens places. Once you kind of lift that uh, the pressure cooker off your shoulders, you play better. Maybe they're in that mode. That That's going to be one to keep an eye on tomorrow. Moving to 6 o'clock in Tuscaloosa, number two Alabama, against Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. How out of control does this one get? Think about how far <laughs> – how far everybody's impression of Mississippi State has plummeted in a month, right? I mean, they go in and win at LSU week one, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Mike Leach. The SEC can't figure him out. And now they've just been terrible since that game. Yeah, that thing won't be, that won't thing won't be close at all. And even Mississippi State's win right now isn't looking all that great with what's happened right. down in the bayou. Yep. So 6 o'clock ESPN if you want to watch that. 6.30 SEC Network. The surprising 2-2 two and two Arkansas Razorbacks in College Station to take on 8th-ranked Texas A&M at 3-1. and one. Uh, Also at 6.30 on the SEC Alt Channel, you've got Missouri at 10th-ranked Florida, uh, fresh off their run-in with the coronavirus. At 6.30, you've got the Naval Academy against number 22 SMU, smarting from their loss uh, a week ago, now 5-1 and one on the year. Are the SMU ponies? At 7 o'clock on the ACC Network, 15th-ranked North Carolina at Virginia, just 1-4 for Bronco Mendenhall and, and company. At 7 o'clock on Fox, number 24, Oklahoma, just 3-2 and two against 2-3 two and three, Texas Tech. <laughs> Sooner's about a two-touchdown favorite in this one. They don't have any trouble tomorrow, do they? No, they, they don't. The, 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 you're right, they, they don't. And going back to the Carolina game, to me, they're a little hard to figure out. I think they're really talented, but they face-planted at Florida State a couple weeks ago, which kind of got off everybody's radar. Then they bounced back last week and popped NC State. I think when they're good, they're really good, but I just don't know if they can sustain that week in and week out. But they're a really talented team. Max done a good job there in Chapel Hill. Yeah, he has. And then we'll finish it up with some late-night action in Provo, 11th-ranked BYU against Western Kentucky. 31-point spread in this one. BYU favored over the Hilltoppers. That is a Here, large number. Here's some trivia for everybody. Who did Western Kentucky play last week? That's a good question. Tim can chime in if he knows. He's was probably it, looking it, it up right now. was it was it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was? Yep. Sure was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there you go. 13-10 to 10 win over the mocks last week for the Hilltoppers. Yeah. Woo. Man. <laughs> what could have been, Ben? What could have been? Could have been breaking down some WKU film this week, but <laughs> I, I guess I guess we're not going to do that. Nope. Oh, what a perfect way to uh, to get off of college football <laughs> and move over to the National Football League. Uh, these are your noon kicks. CBS, Bills, Patriots, not used to seeing New England at 2-4 and four and Buffalo at 5-2, and two, but mm. uh, 2020 is preventing us with all, presenting us with all kinds of things we've never seen before. This is part of a buy-sell question, right? Because we have one about New England winning two of their next three. Yes. So just for us buy-sellers, we've got to kind of keep an eye on that game. Buffalo only a four-point favorite in this one. They haven't looked hmm. spectacular in recent weeks. Also at noon, this one on CBS as well, Titans and Bengals. Titans almost a touchdown favorite over Cincinnati, who played Cleveland really tough last week. And as we yeah. learned yesterday in the face-off, one of the top five passers in the NFL, Joe Burrow 
going up against Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> how many times did in. you hit the? How many times did you hit the buzzer on that? Lots of times. That bu- that buzzer is broken today. Just got to work out oh, and get that fixed. Goodness. Also, also at noon on Fox, you've got Vegas at Cleveland. Uh, Browns at five and two. This is a surprising number. Yeah. Saw this yesterday on the graphic that they've scored the third most touchdowns of any team in football this year. That's just I never would have guessed that, but. Uh, here they are uh, taking that's on a, Vegas. That's a sneaky good game, right? Those are two teams that might be battling for a wild card berth here in about a yep. month, right? I mean, so that's a sneaky, interesting game to keep an eye on. Cleveland, a field goal favorite in that one. Also at noon on CBS, the Colts and the Lions. You have the Packers and the Vikings at noon on Fox. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes last week for Green Bay. Also at noon on CBS – Jets and Chiefs, 21-point favorite for Kansas City. That is unheard of in the professional ranks. Oh, you're right. I mean, that's a lot even, of points. Yeah, anything over two touchdowns is really, really rare, and this one goes to three. Unreal. Mm, crazy. Uh, also at noon on Fox, you've got the Rams and the Dolphins. Debut for Tua Tungavailoa. Bench and Ryan mm. Fitzpatrick after the bye. Three and three are the Dolphins against the Rams. Fitzpatrick said he was just crushed when they informed him of that decision. Yeah, I heard some quotes that weren't weren't so great on the look of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I guess, you know, not entirely surprising when you lose your job. Not right. that that's the case. Really really good game at noon. CBS Steelers Ravens 6 and 0, 5 and 1. Who you taking? Steelers got to lose one, don't they? I mean, it's just they're they're good. I don't know if they're just Baltimore the off the bye. Give me the Ravens. Yeah, the Cedars are just due to get one. And they had that. They used so much emotion to come back and beat the Tennessee last week. Can't do it two weeks in a row. Give me the Ravens. Baltimore five point favorite actually in that one. So yeah. a little surprising that high. Afternoon games: Chargers and Broncos, both two and four. Chargers slight favorite in that one. Also at three twenty five, you've got the Saints and the Bears, each team with two losses. Saints a slight favorite in that one. 49ers and Seahawks in the uh, NFC West. Seahawks smarting from their first loss of the year against the Arizona Cardinals, who are on a bye this week. But uh, Seattle is a slight favorite in that one. San Francisco trying to piece it together with all the the injuries that they have had. And then, of course, Sunday night football, the matchup everybody wants to see. The 2-5 and Cowboys led by Ben DiNucci. And the two four and one Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. So get get fired up for that one. Imagine this: I was watching some golf today. I know that's shocking to you all, but you know NBC owns the Golf Channel, and so they promote a lot of times the Sunday night football. And they were trying to rev that up, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You're trying to put lipstick on a pig there? The Eagles and the Ugh. Cowboys? Oh, that's one to check out. I mean, just I mean, check out of it. Don't even worry. That, that's just a horrible Sunday night matchup for those guys. They've had some yeah. good ones, though, right? I mean, Sunday night football has been really solid for the first month plus of the NFL season. They're probably due for a stinker. Yeah. And, All right. And you uh, mentioned the bear. A... You mentioned the Bears and Saints being five and two. I mean, how different uh, do those five and twos feel? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, even even the Saints, you know, they their defense was such an abomination there for such a long time. Um, they've been just trying to make it work offensively. And Michael Thomas has only played like one game this year for 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 New Orleans, and so they've had to patchwork it together. But the Bears, yeah, that's that seems like the most fraudulent two loss team in the NFL. But yeah, can't take yep. it away from them. 
Uh, how about some UFC fights, shall we? Anderson Silva, who has fought 44 times in the UFC division or the UFC organization, is 45th fight, his final fight. He made weight uh, today, and he'll fight tomorrow on Halloween, and he'll put a wrap on a on a good career uh, as he will fight uh, Uriah Hall from Jamaica tomorrow. Anderson Silva, um, six foot two wiry and aging but he will get uh a young gun in your eye hall who was 16 and 9 early in his career so are we are we really close to a bud bud crawford fight ben isn't that coming I up th- yeah i think we are he is fighting and i think that's in i'm pretty sure that's in vegas that's coming Two up weeks he hasn't from now, fought maybe? in a long time yeah i miss bud yeah. it's been a long time i yeah i mean i haven't watched a fight there in a in one of his fights in a minute so um, it'll be interesting to it, see how that how that boils down. I, I want to say it's the weekend of the 14th where you've got that's the Masters weekend. I think Bud Crawford fights that weekend. The Huskers get Illinois that weekend, so that'll be good. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right. There's there's stuff for you there, right? There's you, enough. You took there's care plenty of, of football. You took care of your yard work today, so you're you're ready to just flip it up on the couch and go. Yeah. Yeah, just me and the kid this weekend. Uh, probably go show off her Halloween costume with some family tomorrow um, at some point. And then, uh, yeah, she's too young to get scared by scary movies, so we'll, we'll chuck some of those babies on at nighttime once the uh, the Ohio State-Penn State game's over. And, uh, yeah, and then just wait Good. for the, the Jets-Chiefs matchup on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that one might be over by halftime. All right, good stuff there. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Some Husker basketball news has popped in the last 24 hours or so. We'll recap some of that as we're now inside of a month for the start of their season, at least supposedly inside of a month. We'll talk a little Husker hoops coming up next. We're back, final segment of the night, final segment of the week. We always save this for our winners and losers of the week. Ben, you get the honors. Yeah, um, I'm going to start with my losers, and they happen to be most, not all, but most victims of all the slasher films that I'm watching uh, this week. (laughs) I mean, just the common sense level of some of these people, uh, no matter the era, I'm talking 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, it's just, uh, I don't want to say they deserve it, but it's like... If you got dudes just methodically walking up to you with a knife and you can't get away and they just don't run and chase you, like there's no excuse. You got to execute better than that. So uh, (laughs) my losers, uh, all those people, my winner, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. They had a really nice win on Sunday. Uh, They've really turned it around to Cliff Kingsbury. I'm surprised at how fast the swagger is, is, has arrived in Arizona, obviously getting nuke Deandre Hopkins has, has helped them tremendously. So uh, I like them a lot. They're fun to watch. Give me Arizona as my winner. Sweet. Tim. Uh, my winner of the week is Tony La Russa, the 76-year-old returning to Major League Baseball to manage the White Sox after a near decade off in retirement after managing my beloved Cardinals, uh, which also makes my loser the White Sox. I'm not sure if I love the hire, <laughs> oh. um, but but uh, I do love Tony La Russa, and I wish him the best of luck, but I don't know, Chicago, that was an interesting hire. Kind of feel like the Tigers who hired A.J. Hinch today got the better end of that deal. We'll see. Time will be the ultimate judge 
of all that. All right, my winner is Paul Rudd, the actor. Why? For playing Ant-Man? Well, he was good in that, but no, that's not why. He showed up at a polling location in New York City the other day and was passing out cookies to the people that were standing in line. What a nice, nice. gesture, right? You know, what a good thing to go do. Yeah. So in all this time of divisiveness and all that, somebody to go do something like that. Well done, Paul Rudd. That's good for cool. you, Paul Rudd. That's cool. That's a guy that I think would be fun to hang with. Oh, yeah. That's a fun golf foursome member right there. Yeah. I, I, you have I told you the story that, that guy? I know we're running out of time, but I, my brother works for the Kansas City Sports Commission, and so he was helping put on the, the big Chiefs parade last year because, you know, the Chiefs won the – I don't know if people remember. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl yeah, last they year. So they, mm-hmm. they had a parade. Well, Paul Rudd's from Kansas City, big Chiefs fan. He was there, and my brother got to ride around him with him in a golf cart. Said it was great. Oh, that's had a great awesome. time with him. Yeah, loved that's it. That's awesome. My, my loser of the week, Ben, I think you'll agree with this, targeting calls in college football. Uh, we yeah. need to clean this thing up. It's out of control. It's The intent is not – I understand the intent. I get it. I want player safety, but this thing has gotten out of control. Rule's a joke. Needs to go away. And they just need to tweak it. I mean, uh, they made the nice change this year by only – if you get thrown out, you, you don't have to go sit in the locker room by yourself for the next – hour and a half or whatever at least you can stay on the sideline with your team but man they need to clean all of that up wow what a great week um from from all of you being part of our show with us it wasn't a good week for us wanting to see the huskers play tomorrow but we'll be back next week and so will the huskers they get ready to go to evanston and take on northwestern everybody who takes advantage of our text line is doing so because the u.s cellular proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the huskers u.s cellular connecting husker nation have a great weekend we're back with you on monday